Welcome to Study Isaiah, the podcast where we examine the language, context, and meaning of the book of Isaiah with Dr. Paul Wegner. I'm Tyler Sanders, and with me is Dr. Wegner, who's going to tell us the Hebrew word of the day. Oh, yes. We're ready for it. Yeah. All right. Today, our word is pride. Pride. And, and there's not a lot of detail that I can add to it, but what's important is that this seems to be Israel's major problem at this time. They're so proud that they can do it on their own, that they're not asking for God's help. And that's got them in a real trouble. So it's Isaiah 9, 9 uh, says, and all the people know it, that is Ephraim and the inhabitants of Samaria, asserting in pride and arrogance of heart. And I think that arrogance of heart really explains pride really well too. Hmm. So well, that, can you tell us how to pronounce it in, oh, in yeah. Hebrew? Ga'awa. Ga'awa? Yeah. Ga'awa. Okay. <laughs> That's a great word. Uh, yeah. A great word for the day, I think. Uh, so let's uh, let's get caught up before we get into our passage, which is uh, starting in chapter 9. Yes. 9, uh, verse 8, I believe. Why don't, you devo- yeah. why don't you give us a little bit of a recap of where we are historically? Okay. Remember, Isaiah is not chronological. So what's going to happen is it's going to jump back and forth. And at the end of chapter nine, what we did is shot clear into the future. Mm. Uh, So where it was talking about this person that was going to sit on the seat of David and bring peace and all that. Well, that shot clear into the future when Messiah is going to come back and set up his kingdom. But now we've now gotten out of that and we're in about 730, somewhere in there, where what's happening is that Israel is really, it's before 722 where the Northern Kingdom is taken off into captivity. Okay. So this is before that when they're um, disobeying God and, and going far into rebellion, but they, they think they don't need God anymore. So mm. that's that's about where we are. So it's about 730, some maybe a little before that, but it's before 722. And is the clue there because it's uh, before Israel is taking off? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So in fact, if we look at verse eight, it says, the Lord sends a message against Jacob and it falls on Israel. Mm. So that's telling us the Northern Kingdom's still around. Yeah. So, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So historically, that's about where we are. We're past the Syro-Ephraimite War. Okay. Okay. Because that's that's uh, 732, 733, somewhere in there. We're we we haven't got to 722 where Samaria's destroyed. Mm-hmm. We haven't gotten to Sennacherib's attack yet in 701. Okay. So those are we're still looking forward to, yeah. and and we're about at that point. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's good. And then can you also tell us where we are in the palestrophe? Yeah. Because what we've we've just done, if you remember, I told you that we this is this was the most clear palestrophe in yeah. our book. It seems like mm-hmm. you've got the song of the vineyard on chapter in chapter five. You've got the song of Thanksgiving at chapter twelve. Yeah, those are our bookends. Yeah. Then we had our six woe oracles in chapter five. Then the one uplifted hand oracle in chapter at the end of chapter five. Uh-huh. Then we had our Isianic memoir. Okay, mm-hmm. which we just got done with uh, in our last podcast. And then we've got, this time we now are looking at four uplifted hand oracles, uh-huh. one woe oracle, yeah. and then our song of Thanksgiving. Yeah. So we're now working our way out of the palestrophe. Right, right. And those are all, in in certain ways, they're, they're relating back to the previous yeah. pieces. So our uplifted hand oracle we went over at the end of chapter five is going to have something to do with our four uplifted hand oracles. Yeah. Now, do you remember what an uplifted hand oracle Actually, was? Actually, I was going to ask you to, to tell us that again. <laughs> okay. So so basically, it's the idea that God has already set some amount of punishment into their lives, 
but they didn't get it. That's mm -hmm. where that pride and arrogance of heart is not let them see that God's been punishing them. So now what's going to happen is that God's got his hand lifted up. It's ready to come down again. And in fact, it's pretty clear in this first uplifted hand oracle that that's what they're all about, that Israel's just being disobedient and they're not, they're not getting that that punishment is is for them and that it's supposed to correct them. They don't get that. And yeah. so God's having to punish them more. So an uplifted hand is kind of an imminent judgment coming. is coming. A judgment is on the way. Yeah. And when that phrase comes up a lot in these, it's, that's how we're really defining what it is. Yeah, and I think it's really in the text too. Yeah, and I think we talked about that. This is the only book that ever that has them in it. I think we did. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so as far as I know, these are the only uplifted hand oracles there are, and and they're in Isaiah. The five, basically. Yeah. The one in chapter five, and the four in uh, yep. nine through nine, chapters nine and ten. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Let's start off uh, chapter nine, verse eight. That's our first uh, uplift in a hand oracle, right? Yep. Okay. Let's get let's get into it. Okay. Let's let's look what it says. The Lord sends a message against Jacob, and it falls on Israel. I used to think those are two different people, but remember, Jacob is another name for Israel. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And all the people know it. That is Ephraim, the inhabitants of Samaria, exerting in pride and arrogance of heart. And okay, now this is gonna. We're going to try to explain why they're so why, why God's punishing them. It sounds okay. like already they've they've received some punishment. Okay, look what it says: the bricks have fallen down, but but we will rebuild with smooth stones. So so they're basically saying, oh, we've received one punishment from God. Don't worry, we're going to come back stronger than ever. Smooth so, stones would be yeah, a better material than bricks be or something, like, or uh, you yeah. know that that have been smoothed by. Um, oh, okay. Uh, people that are, you know, yeah, making yeah. them really They're working nice. It. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Then the second part, the sycamores have been cut down, but we will replace them with cedars. A better. Yeah. Cedars of Lebanon. Yeah. Almost for sure. Therefore, the Lord raises against them adversaries from resin and spurs their enemies on. The Arameans on the east and the Philistines on the west, and they devour Israel with gaping jaws. In spite of all this, his anger is not turned away. His hand is still stretched out. Ready so, for more. Yeah, did that make sense? So yeah. basically, he's bringing the Philistines coming in, the yeah. Arameans from the north, and both are attacking him. And, and in fact, by this time, it called him Ephraim. So that means that all that is left is the highlands of Ephraim to the northern kingdom. Ephraim is referring to Israel, right? Yes. That means everything else has been taken Samari by the Arameans. Samaria's capital. Uh -huh. It's the, really referring to the city, probably. Yeah. You know? yeah. Ephraim is... The, the countryside, yeah, maybe, the area. kind of the, yep. yeah, the broader borders. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well then, so basically they're getting the wrong message. They've misinterpreted the punishment, right? Or could care less about the punishment. They could care less. Two, you know, here, here, we've been punished, but we're going to come back Something stronger bad than has ever. Happened. Yeah. All these yeah. bad things have, but we're going to, we're yeah. going to come back. Not we're going to yeah. humble so, ourselves. So or, then God's response then is, then I'm going to send more, yeah. right? Then my hand is up and ready to come down some more. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's the first one. Second one is starting in verse 13. So the people uh, did not turn back to him who struck them, nor did they uh, seek the Lord of, of hosts. So the Lord cuts off head and tail from Israel. So that actually helps us understand the or, uh, uplifted hand oracle too. Mm. God sent some punishment. They didn't get it. So God's pouring out more. Yeah. So this is probably one of the best ones to help you know what help it us means. see the form kind of. Yeah. Okay. So he cuts off head and, and tail from Israel, both palm branch and bulrush in a single day. So, so that'd be palm. That's tall and short. I guess yeah, yeah. bulrush is like a uh, yeah, it goes in the water. Yeah. Kind of right. Yeah. Anything that's like a reed or something a reed, like yeah, that. Yeah. 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 
and and it it tells these are merisms. So oh, right, mean, right. Yeah. So that means the t the very highest and the very lowest. Yeah. And everything in between. Yeah. And and notice it was in a single day. So this happened quickly. Hmm. Then it explains who they are. The head is the elder, the honorable man, the prophet that teaches falsehood is its tail. I've always thought that let's, yeah, I, I don't think uh, it's actually the tail. I think it's what yeah, the tail right. is connected to, yeah. <laughs> but that gives you some idea of what God thinks of false prophets. Yeah, he right. hates them. Yeah. And you can see why they're so deceptive. Yeah. People think they're following God and they're being led astray by these false prophets. But the, but it's still saying God is going to cut them off from yeah. the people, good or bad. Prophets are gone yep. and the honorable men. The yeah. leaders who were the head kind of yeah. they're gone too. Because the idea is he's wiping them all out, mm. basically. Oh, right. Because it's still we're still thinking merism, right? Yep. It's everything in between as well. Yep. Mm. Okay. For those who guide the people are leading them astray, and those who are guided by them are brought to confusion. Therefore, the Lord does not take pleasure in their young men, nor does he have pity on their orphans nor their widows. See, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, that's been... Kind you don't the opposite. Almost. Yeah, you don't hardly. I, I think this is one of the few times you ever see this term like this, wow. where God's not looking after the orphan and widows. Right. But that means they're so wicked that God is going to let them be punished. It really too. is everybody. Yeah. Everybody's getting punished. Yeah. Well, that's what the next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really. For every one of them, his godless and an evildoer, and every mouth is speaking foolishness. In spite of all this, his anger is not turned away, and his hand is still stretched out. That gives you some clue how bad a condition they're in, right? Yeah. So, yeah. all right, ready for the third one? Well, let me ask you something about okay. this real quick. So each time we get to this, his hand is still stretched out. That's saying there's even more past what has been yeah. described, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So more coming. It's intense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So verse 18 is our third one. For the wicked burns like fire and consumes briars and thorns. It even sets the thickets of the forests aflame. For the fury of the Lord of hosts in the land is burned up, and the people are like fuel for fire. No man spares his brother. They slice off what is on the right hand, but still they are hungry. They eat what is on the left, but they are not satisfied. Each one of them eats the flesh of his own arm. Isn't it, that that's almost sounds like cannibalism. Yeah. <laughs> but I think what it's it's just getting at is here's Ephraim and Manasseh. They're both Israel tribes and, and they're fighting against each other. Oh. So it's like they're eating themselves up because yeah. they're destroying each other. Right. Okay. Right. Manasseh devours Ephraim and Ephraim Manasseh and together they are against Judah. Mm. So th that was part of God's punishment. Part of the punishment is that inner fighting and then going against Judah too. Mm. So that's- As and, punishment mm -hmm. to Judah as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. In spite of all this, his anger is not turned away. His hand is still stretched out. So even now they're, that they're eating each other alive, still not done. Yeah. It's, it's sad that they're to a point that they don't get it, isn't it? Yeah. So. Well, let's read the last one. I've got a question about okay. the, yeah, I, I'll ask it whenever we finish this fourth one. Okay. Now, 10.1 is not part of the woe oracle, mm. even though it starts with woe. When you get to <laughs> verse four, you, you know that. But, okay. but at first you might think, oh, there's yeah, a woe oracle. Yeah, that's what I think, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Woe to those who enact evil statutes and those who are constantly record unjust decisions so as to deprive the needy of justice and to rob the poor of my people of their rights. Mm -hmm. So the widows may be their spoil and they may plunder the orphans. So here the people are getting it. They're, they're taking it out on the orphans yeah. and widow because they're taking, the easiest ones yeah, to get. Yeah, taking advantage of the yeah. most vulnerable. Yep. Now, what will you do in the day of punishment, in the day of devastation that will come from afar? To whom will you flee for help? And where will you leave your wealth? Nothing remains to, but 
to crouch among the captives or fall among the slain. So you got two bad choices. Yeah. Neither of them are very good. Yeah. Okay. In spite of all this, his anger is not turned away. His hand is still stretched out. So if that's right, and that means that we're at verse four and it's still uh, an uplifted hand oracle, that probably means the woe in the next section is actually part more part of the punishment. Mm. And I think that's what we're going to find out. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they well, fit into each other. Yeah, they, they fit mm. in. I think um, I may have been leaning more towards really understanding this is more deeply connected just to the previous uplifted hand oracle, but yeah. really these four uplifted hand oracles are also deeply connected into the following the woe, yeah. woe oracle. Yeah. It's a complex relationship. Well, yeah, probably. there's a lot of, you know, yeah. I think it shows that this was a very crafted I think so too. Book though. I mean like and even there's a lot of interconnectedness. Yeah, and even that you saw that structure where, you know, where you've got this kind of a structure happening. That that that's gotta be a yeah. well crafted yeah, it's built. Rec record. Yeah. You know, it's amazing. So here's my question. Okay. It seems like the first well, Oracle is kind of against the nation. Of Israel? Yeah. Yeah. Second one is more focused on people, which would still be the nation of Israel. Is there any distinction we need to recognize there? The third seems more focused on the tribes, maybe. Yeah. And then in the fourth one, it it seems like it's the people who are taking advantage of, you know, widows and orphans. So maybe like the leaders or anything. Is there anything to that? Or you think in general, these are kind of, they're all just fitting together and aiming at at the people of Israel. I, I think it's more that, but but I think what's happening is that here's a punishment coming over them, another punishment coming over them, another. So it's just that every time that punishment comes, they keep getting lower and lower and lower. You know, they're mm. they're they're getting fewer and fewer people because they're being destroyed and yeah. punished more and more. Yeah. So I think that's what's happening. It's like four waves of punishment coming over them, it seems like. Yeah. So that's okay. that's at least how I think yeah. it's happening. Yeah, huh? yeah. All right. Well, let's read the woe. The woe right. oracle. Now, here's the real where, one, not the one the, that. That's all right. That we thought the, uh, was one. Yeah, if you look start. at if you look at five, you know, uh, yeah, chapter, chapter 10, ten, verse five. five. Yeah. Woe to the Assyria, the rod of my anger, and the staff in whose hand is my indignation. Now, at that point, he's now telling you, God's using the Assyrians to punish His own nation. Right? So he's calling them a rod of his angers. And, and that's kind of a metaphor that'll pop up a lot. Yeah. Where we'll see that kind of idea of Assyria as a rod. Yeah. And, a tool of punishment. Tool, yeah. Yeah. It, all throughout this judgment, you'll see that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I sin against a godless nation. Now, if you think about it, that godless nation is Israel, right? Yeah. So God sent Assyria against Israel. And, well, can, and yeah. he describes it as godless. Yeah. Which is a pretty... <laughs> As their God, you know, yeah. I mean, that's a stinging indictment. <laughs> yeah. All right. And commissioned it against the people of my fury to capture booty and to seize plunder, to trample them down like mud in the streets. Well, that's if that gives you some clue about how much freedom God gave the Assyrians to punish Israel so bad that they could mm. even be trampled down like mud in the streets. Right. But look at that next verse. Yet it, meaning Assyria, does not so intend, nor does it plan so in its heart, but rather its purpose is to destroy and cut off many nations. So God was willing to let Assyria punish Israel, but that's not what they want. They want to cut them off and make them no longer a people. Now, remember, that's what mm. the Assyrians did. When they took over a nation, they deported the leaders and stuff like that and then put their own in. Yeah. Do you remember? So, that, so what they're trying to do is to 
make it so that the people don't know that they're Jewish anymore. Right. And before long- They're assimilated into yeah. culture. And, and remember what happened to the, uh, that's where the Samaritans came from, right? Yeah. Later in Jesus's day yeah. and how they were hated by the Jews because they were considered half-breeds. Right. So the Assyrians' goal was to intermix them in hopes, make their country stronger because they're now one nation, yeah. but they're all mixed together. Well, but God can't let that happen, right? I mean, he's got to keep his people. And so he can't allow that to happen. We're kind of seeing a distinction between God's purposes, Assyria's purposes, yeah. even though it's kind of the same actions. God is using yeah. Assyria in this way, yep. but not to their, not to Assyrian efforts, I guess, or yeah. what their goals are. Good. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Yep. Okay. Yet it does not so intend nor plan so in its heart. Rather, its purpose is to destroy and cut off many nations. For it says, are not my princes all kings? And that's it, Assyria again, the it, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And notice when it says, so he's saying, wouldn't you rather be a prince in my army than a king in another nation we just trounced? Yeah. All right. Is not Carnal like, like Carchemish and Hamath like Arpad and Samaria like Damascus? So he's basically just going down all the cities that he's destroyed. Mm. So he's saying, they're all the same to me. You know, I right. wipe out one country and, and one city. Yeah. They're the same What's as the another difference? one. Yeah. yeah. As my hand reached to the kingdoms of the idols, whose graven images were greater than those of uh, Jerusalem and Samaria, shall I not do to Jer Jerusalem and her images, just as I've done to Samaria and her idols? That actually tells us two things that are really important. First of all, the Assyrian doesn't understand. He, mm. he thinks that if you've got a great God, you're going to have a lot of idols that, okay. that are that yeah. to, 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 to glorify him. Yeah. In fact, remember the reason Israel isn't supposed to have a whole lot of idols yeah. is because they're supposed to have no idols because they're supposed to serve God. Mm -hmm. All right. So he told them not to. But it goes on to say, shall not I do to Jerusalem and her images as I've done to Samaria and her images? So that are her idols. So that tells us that Jerusalem had set up false gods in oh, their city. Wow. Yeah. yeah, right. So two things that I think are really important here that you just learned, Israel's gone a long ways into their own wickedness and yeah. even setting up idols and stuff like that. Right. But then uh, the, I think the other thing that's really important is this, this Assyrian king doesn't get it. You know, he, he yeah, yeah. You, can't, you can't blame him. He doesn't know that God told him that they're not supposed to make yeah. idols. Well, you know? like we just saw, it's all the same. Yeah, in his mind. Cities are, are people. Yeah. They have their gods, but it doesn't, nothing, none of those things have stopped me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There's that pride and arrogance of heart popping up again, isn't it? Right. Yeah. All right. So now look at verse 12. So it will be when the Lord has completed all his work on Mount Zion and on Jerusalem, he will say, I will punish the fruit of the arrogant heart of the king of Assyria and the pomp of his haughtiness. So now God's challenging him and says, okay, when you're done working for me, now I'm going to punish you. Yeah. yeah. What do you think that work would be done? I mean, he says, when I'm finished with Jerusalem and, and my work at Jerusalem and, and that, I'll punish them. So what's the work in Jerusalem he wants to do? Well, I would assume it'd be bringing them back to being people of God, right? Okay. It'd be like after the punishment works. Yeah. Okay, so that, I think that I think you're right. So the I, the goal of God's punishment is that they'll come back to Him. Yeah. So once He's done with that, then He's going to wipe out the Assyrians. Yeah. Or punish them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. 
For he has said, by the power of my hand and by my wisdom, I did this. For I have understanding. I've removed the boundaries of the people and plundered their treasures. And like a mighty man, I brought their inhabitants. And as my hand reached through the riches of the people like uh, like a nest, I, as one gathers abandoned eggs, I gathered the earth. And there was not one that uh, flapped its wings or opened its beak or chirped. That gives you a little clue of his pride and arrogance of heart, right? Yeah, because this is the king of Assyria. Yep. Yeah. And, and it's not... It's not true because there's a lot of people that flapped their wings and did it, right. but because he was so powerful, it didn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. He okay. gets to say it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, the next verse is, I think, God's sense of humor. Look what he says. Is the ax to boast itself over the one who chops with it? Right. Yeah. So he's saying- so We're back to the tool imagery. Yeah, yeah. Here, yeah. you're just an, an ax in my hand. That yeah. would be like you coming after me. Right. And he says, that's a joke. Yeah. Or is the, assault, the saw to exalt itself or the one who wields it? That would be like a club wielding the one who lifted it or like a rod lifting him who is not wood. Hmm. There's God's sense of humor. Yeah. You know, yeah. these Assyrians think that they're something when they're only a tool. Yeah. Okay. All right. Therefore, the Lord of hosts will send a wasting disease among their stout warriors and under his glory, a flame will be kindled like a burning flame. And the light of Israel will become like a fire and his holy one a flame. I don't know if you know the rest of the story, but in 701, remember, God wipes out the Assyrian army. And and he calls it, um, it, some of the passages say it's an he sends the angel, an angel against mm -hmm. them that wipes them out. Well, it's from these passages, it could have been some kind of plague that wipes them out because it yeah. wipes them out real quickly mm. and it does a very thorough job. Yeah. So in, in um, uh, like uh, Herodotus and some of those have uh, records of uh, sending field mice among them. And we know that bubonic mm. plague travels by the yeah. uh, germ being on field mice. Yeah. So it's very possible that God send a wasting disease yeah. with some kind of plague. Yeah. And, and, and when it talks about under the glory, a fire will be kindled like a burning flame. Well, that sounds to me like a fever. So, mm. so those kind of things I think would fit together Pretty well yeah, for a plague. I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, then it says, and the light of Israel become a fire and the Holy One a flame. Remember the, the light of Israel and the Holy One a flame. Those are God's God's images. So he's, yeah. he's saying God's going to be the one that destroys them. Right. Okay. And it will burn and devour its thorns and briars in a single day. Now, again, notice a single day again. Yeah. And notice also thorns and briars. That's going to be a real common phrase. Yeah. Um, Isaiah uses that for anything worthless. Yeah. And yeah, we talked about that in response yeah. in the vineyard, I think, right? Uh, that, well, it's like, it was, that it's till. Yeah, you're close. It was, I think it was in uh, chapter nine or eight where he, or no, I think it's actually nine where it talks about the thorns and briars. We're yeah. going to see him again though, yeah. too. Yeah. Okay. Actually, it was probably five where we saw him last time. It may have been. Yeah. Okay. But it becomes a real common phrase uh, to talk about worthlessness and how God's yeah. going to destroy them. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you were right in chapter five where the vineyard, remember he says later on, there's a there's another passage that talks about the vineyard and God says he's not going to let them uh, right. burn up the thorns and yes. the briars. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. That's it. That's okay. it. All right. Okay, so we're in 18? verse 18. Yeah. 18, yeah. He will devour the glory of the forest and his uh, fruitful garden, both soul and body. And it will be as though a sick man wastes away. So that's why I think could be a plague kind of idea. Yeah. And the rest of the trees of the forest will be so small in number that a child could write them down. So that means they're going to yeah, be pretty thoroughly yeah. destroyed. Not yeah. too many left. Yeah. 
Does that all make sense? So here's God saying so. that I'm going to use you as a tool for now, but later on, I'm coming after you. Yeah. Okay. And 701 seems to fit that time frame really well. Mm. Okay. All right. Now, the next section is really important too. Now, in that day, the remnant of, of Israel and those of the house of Jacob who have escaped will never rely on the one who struck them, but will truly rely on the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. So it's saying that one of these days, they will actually turn back to the Holy One of Israel. Yeah. Okay. So our question, will Israel ever obey? Eventually. Eventually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And a remnant will return, a remnant of Jacob to the mighty God. For though your people, O Israel, will be like the sand of the sea, only a remnant within them will return. So it's letting you know that the remnant's going to be pretty small too. Yeah, and we've we've bumped into the remnant idea yeah. multiple times. Yeah, a destruction is determined, overflowing with righteousness. For a complete destruction, when it is decreed, the Lord God of hosts will execute in the midst of the whole land. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of hosts. O oh, my people who dwell in Zion, do not fear the Assyrian who uh, strikes you with a rod and lifts up his staff against you the way Egypt did. Uh, notice he's bringing that image of Egypt. Remember how they were treated as slaves yeah. there. And so he's saying, don't you worry about them. For in a very little while, my indignation against you will be spent and my anger will be directed at their destruction. The Lord God of hosts will arouse a scourge against him uh, like the slaughter of Midian. Do you remember the slaughter of Midian and the rock of Orb? That's, no. that's Gideon. Uh, oh. Back in Gideon's time, okay. the Midianites were destroyed at these two places. Yeah, and, yeah. and remember, he's saying that it's not going to be by Gideon, though. It's going to be the one who was helping Gideon or God. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because remember, at that time, he, he wipes them out with only 300 men. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that gives you some clue. And his, his staff will be over the sea and he will lift it up the way he did it in Egypt. Mm. Remember Moses holding the staff yeah. and it water separates and then yeah. when he brings it down, it comes yeah. together. Okay, so he's saying, I'll do it just like I did back then, okay? So it will be in that day that his burden will be removed from your shoulders and the yoke from your neck and the yoke will be broken because of fatness. That one's really hard to explain. So in 701, when God destroyed the Assyrians, it, it means that Israel is going to prosper, but it it didn't it didn't happen in 701. It 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 was a lot further into the future. So as I understand these, that uh, the the author has got got these two mountain peaks in in his mind. One when the Assyrians are destroyed, and then one later on when God's going to bring His people back and and bless them and all that. So I think it's, okay. It, remember we talked about what's called the prophetic perspective. Yeah. And and where the author can see two images and and he puts them together even though he doesn't know how much time is between them. Yeah. I think that's what's going on here. Yeah. So he's seeing them both together even though there's going to be a lot of time between them. And the fatness is the prosperity is yeah. referring to the return. Well, potentially. It, 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 that might be part of it, but I think it's it's the idea of him blessing them and all that. So re, uh, return will be part of that, but then also the future return will be even more of it. So I think, oh, okay. once again, he's he's looking in the future and sees yeah. all of them. Okay. Now, it, it's, it's, it's fair for a prophet to do that because if you think about it, he, God is showing him a lot of events that are going to happen. What he's not showing him is the timing, is how they're going to fit together, yeah. that, that they're not quite accurate in the time frame, 
it's okay because he's seeing all these events. He's a prophet, so he sees yeah. all the things into the future. Just that these things will, yeah, happen. And, yeah. And, and, yeah, and they're not going to all happen at the same time necessarily. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Now the next part is a little harder. He's now just so told us that God is going to restore them and all that, and now it talks about uh, what looks like a trail f- from Aath, which is. Uh, probably another name for AI or or uh, or maybe another city up there because some of these cities we just don't even know mm. anymore where they are. Uh, but some of them we do, like Milgram, Michmash. Uh, oh, let me make sure you, I'll read it. Yeah. Uh, he will come against Aath. He has passed through Migram. At Michmash, he deposits his baggage. They have gone through the pass saying, Geba will be our lodging place. Rama is terrified and Geba of Saul has fled away. Cry aloud and uh, with your voice, O daughter of Gilliam. Pay attention, Laish, uh, Laisha, and, and, and wretched Anathoth. Madoma has fled. The inhabitants of Geba have, have sought refuge. Yet today he will halt at Nob, and he shakes his fist at the mountain of the daughters of Zion, the hill of Jerusalem. Now, at the let me tell you the end part there first. Uh, Nob is the name of a city on the mountain that looks over Jerusalem. Today, okay. it's Mount Scopus. And that's okay. where the Jerusalem University is. And oh. it looks down on the old city. Yeah. So my understanding is that this Assyrian is standing up on top of the mountain. And, and it says he shakes his fist. I actually think instead of like this, like we usually think, I think it's more of a wiping them out. Oh. It's some action being done with the hand. Uh, you know, yeah. The Hebrew is not necessarily that clear. Yeah. But just like the Romans, when they would go like that against the city, it meant they were going to be wiped yeah, out. That's a threat. Yeah. And I think that's what this more means. Yeah. But what's interesting, these these are cities that are, are north of Jerusalem. And and, the, and then he gets to Nob and makes this gesture of, about wiping them out. Well, what is this? This, this did not happen in 701 because in 701, they came up from the south, um, oh, right. southwest up right. through that way. Yeah. So what is this? And Oh, scholars have had a heyday trying to figure out what this is. Uh, you know, it's a visionary uh, defeat of Jerusalem, or it's a uh, you know all kinds of things. I need to tell you one other thing. It it talks about them go uh, like Geba is a big a fortified city. They don't they don't go by that. You know, it says uh, huh. they they are terrified, but it sounds like and they fled away. But it doesn't sound like they stopped there. So my understanding is that what this is, is it's it's people, reinforcements coming down from the Assyrian army that are going down to Jerusalem to help them on their attack in 701. Okay. Because it makes sense that Laish, after they, and, and the two cities they destroyed right before they come, come into Jerusalem. Yeah. That, that after they did that, they were probably deplete, depleted in soldiers and yeah, and yeah. food and stuff yeah, like provisions, that. Provisions, everything, yeah. yeah. So I think what happened is that they're now going to need more. And so these are coming down from the north. Now, that would make sense because they have what are called staging places uh, out of the threat of battle because you don't want your food and yeah, your supply. Yeah. yeah. You don't want them destroyed or taken. So they put it up at, at a place called Rama. And then they brought them down. And I think that's what this is. This These are reinforcements coming down because they're getting ready to take Jerusalem. Right. But God's got a, a surprise for them. Right. <laughs> that's the next part. Yeah. Um, so verses 33 and 34. 
Behold, the Lord God of hosts will lop off the bow with a terrible crash. Also, they are, those who are tall in stature will be cut down. Those who are lofty will be abased. He will cut down the thickets of the forest with an iron axe, and Lebanon will fall by the mighty one. There's actually a play on words here. Mm-hmm. Uh, earlier, the Assyrian said he was the mighty one. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's the word, I, I believe it's the word adir. And this one, I believe, is the word a beer. So they're pl- a play on the words. The real mighty one is going to oh, chop him off. But yeah, he, the yeah, Assyrian yeah. thought he was the mighty one. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. The Hebrew actually helps us to know that there's a play on words here. Yeah. So does this make sense? So so basically, big picture is the 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 woe is that Assyria is going to come against Jerusalem and or actually probably more than just Jerusalem because they did Syria also or the Northern Kingdom also right. Yeah. So they come against the Northern Kingdom, then go down into Judah. And my understanding is that God's allowing that all to happen because He's using them as a tool. But at a certain time, He says, "I'm done with that, and now you're going to be punished." And that's that the picture of them being lopped off. Uh, remember in uh, chapter two, it talked about all those mighty things that are going to be cut down. Oh, right. Yeah. It right. almost like everything that is tall, tall tree, yeah. Yeah, yeah. high uh, uh, ship mask and stuff like that. Yeah. They're all going to be brought down. Well, this is another image of that, of them going to be destroyed. Yeah. And, and it fits really well here uh, because the next section is going to be chapter 11 then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse. So he's yeah. still using that tree imagery. Yeah, so a series yeah. is going to be destroyed, but that little remnant is going to come back up from yeah. the, from Israel. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it makes sense. And and to me, that to me, what I think is real interesting is actually in verse 24, I think. Oh, yeah. When, uh, you know, it says, do not fear the Assyrian. You know, that's such an interesting concept because it's like, I mean, obviously they're supposed to fear God. God. Yeah. And yeah. and you don't have to fear the the tool. So like yeah. it's no matter how bad things get, like yeah. it it's not up to the Assyrian king how bad things get. It's always up to God. There's yeah. like there's almost a little bit of a a pressure valve release built into it. It's kind of like if you if you start acting right, if you start yeah. behaving correctly, yeah. the punishment will end because this really isn't about Assyria coming down and taking over. Yeah. Israel, it's really about God punishing Israel. Can I can I also? Hmm. You brought up, I think, a really good point. Notice that God could stop the punishment at any point. Yeah. So so that's telling us that God doesn't over punish us. Hmm. You know, he he knows exactly what it's going to take, and he only does it in increments. So if you're willing to turn around, he'll quit. Yeah. And and, and there's where the pride and arrogance of heart comes in. Yeah. They're not willing to turn that's around. That's right. Right. But, but he knows that, and so more punishment comes. Yeah. But he doesn't just wipe them out. And, and I actually see this as happening in our lives. You know, mm-hmm. God doesn't you know, just destroy us because we sin once. Yeah. He's he's got ways of of bringing that sin to light, and then also working with us to try to work it out of our lives. And stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah. and 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 you still see too, like this is this isn't God favoring Assyria yeah. either. He hasn't abandoned yeah. Israel, like. Yeah. Even though it's difficult, probably pretty bad. Yeah. It's still because Israel is God's. Yeah. It's it's not a Syria. Assyria is just a a tool. Yeah. Yeah. It could have been anyone probably, you know, yeah. like Babylonians later. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. Okay. We're still in that that part of the woe oracle. Yeah. But, but it's it's woe for Assyria. 
and and even a little part of of Israel, yeah, right? Because yeah. but but then there's a restoration coming through. And look at chapter eleven now. And you guys, this one's pretty famous. You, most of you yeah, yeah. probably know about this one. But he's talking about now a, a king that's going to come mm-hmm. set up his rule in Israel, and it's going to be nothing like the kings before him. Yeah. Okay, so at the very least, that's what's going on. Yeah. But I, I like that the tree is chopped off. But yeah. here comes that little sprig yeah. uh, coming out through in Israel, yeah. or a shoot coming out. Yeah. Okay, the shoot will uh, sprout from the stem of Jesse. Now, I've always wondered why it doesn't say from David, but mm. I think it's telling us it precedes David. Remember, mm. Jesse is his father. Yeah. So I think it's saying, no, this this goes back before David. Yeah. So it's coming back even earlier. Yeah. And the branch from his roots will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will, they they often say this uh, sevenfold spirit here. Um, Mm. And usually seven is the number of completeness. And and that may be right, but it's spirit of wisdom and understanding of counsel and strength, the knowledge of the fear of the Lord. So you've you've got this guy being guided by God and he's got tremendous wisdom and strength and yeah. power okay he would delight in the fear of the lord uh, so god's definitely guiding him mm-hmm. he will not judge by what his eyes see or make decisions by what his ears hear see that that ought to tell you this is a special person because mm-hmm. even human kings the best we can do is what our eyes and ears tell us right, right. and this one is going beyond that okay. it sounds like yeah Okay, but with righteousness, he will judge the poor and decide with fairness the afflicted of the earth. And he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. It, it's just with his words, he can Yeah, that's can where punish the power him. is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So that's just telling us a little about his character. All right. He's righteous. He's got all this wisdom and all that. And, and he's, he's, it's not like any, any human being yeah, king that or human king that's been around. Yeah. It's this one's got special characteristics that no one else has. Yeah. Okay. So that was his character. This is going to be the next section is what his kingdom is going to be like. Hmm. Okay. And the wolf will dwell with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And the little boy will lead them. So you've got here are two animals that are constant you know they, yeah. in in the world we live in yeah they're attacking each other yeah and here they're laying down together and a little boy's leading them yeah so it's certainly a time of peace yeah and a cow and a bear will will graze and their young will lie down together the lion will eat straw like the ox the nursing child will play by the hole of a cobra and the wean child will put his hand in a viper's nest they will not hurt or destroy in in all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the water covers the sea. That's that's a time we've never, yeah. never known. Yeah. You know, and I think it goes back to like the Garden of Eden, almost mm-hmm. telling us that kind of peace and safety that was like before the fall. Yeah. That's what it's gonna be like again. Yeah. So even even for snakes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, I, I think. That last phrase kind of sums everything else up. Um, They will not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. So what's this, my holy mountain? Well, whenever it talks about this future, it always talks about this connected with Mount Zion or Mm. Jerusalem or stuff like that. So somehow Jerusalem is going to be 
kind of the center of his kingdom, it sounds like. Yeah. And so it always goes back to that area. Okay. But here's the neat thing for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as water, as the water covers the sea, mm. you know, water gets everywhere. Yeah. And I think what that's saying, it's just so going to infiltrate the, the earth that it covers it. It's, it's infiltrated. Yeah. It's everywhere. Yeah. So I think that's neat. That That's yeah. telling us that's quite a It's time. a very different kind of kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they saw that too. Yeah. It, that's the kind of peace that they've never known. Yeah. Right? Yeah. All right. So what we've got there is that's kind of a summary of what this thing's going to be like. Now, it's it's going to go into more detail, but but that's basically the, the structure that you're left with. This kingdom is going to be set up. It's going to be ruled by this guy who is an amazing wisdom and and peaceful righteous person and then these next couple of verses are going to add more information to that okay okay so verse 10 in then in that day well what day we talking about i assume it's the day that this king comes and sets up this rule yeah okay in that day the nations will resort to the root of jesse uh, who will stand as a signal for the people and his resting place will be glorious so my understanding is that nations are going to come and want to serve this this king that set up this amazing kingdom. So that's, I think, what verse 10 is telling us. Yeah. Verse 11, then it will happen again on that day. Okay, so talking about the same day, I assume, that the Lord will receive a second time with his hand a remnant of his people who will remain from mm. Assyria, Egypt, Pathros, Cush, Elam, Shinar, Hamath. So the first time, Okay, because this has a second time. Now, the first time shouldn't be the return from Egypt, right? Because that was only from one country. This says a second time from Assyria, Egypt, Pathros, Cush. So my understanding is that this is probably them returning from the exile. Because I I don't know if you remember, but when the Israelites were sent to captivity, they actually some of them were sent to you know were sold off as slaves to other nations. Sure. So my guess is that the Israelites were scattered all over and the Persians allowed them all to go back. I understand at least from whatever nation they served. And so I think that this second time then is going to be at the end when God returns again and he sets Mm. up his kingdom and he draws the remnant, his people from all these other nations. So that's the second time. So the first time must be, I think the return from uh, Babylonian captivity. When, when Cyrus did it. Interesting. Yeah. And so the second time would be kind of the ultimate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, and even says, and from the islands of the sea, he will lift up a stand for the nations and assemble the banished ones of Israel and will gather dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Then the jealousy of Ephraim will depart and those who harass Judah will be cut off. Ephraim will not be jealous of Judah and Judah will not harass Ephraim. Now remember, mm. Earlier, we just yeah. heard how they were. Got yeah, they were going to be fighting. Yeah, yeah part of devouring the, each other. Yeah, exactly. So the part of the punishment was the them tearing each other apart. Yeah. Now, part of the restoration is they're going to be yeah. be pulling them together. Yeah, they will swoop down on the slopes of the Philistines on the on the west. They will plunder the sons of the east. They will possess Edom and Moab. Now, this is this is my, a little my. Uh, background of my understanding of the future time. Mm. But I understand in the future that there aren't going to be wars and stuff like that. You know, the eternal state. 
Right. Why would there be war? There's, yeah. you know, there's going to, going to be righteous people. My understanding is that this must be the millennium time period where you still have God ruling over the nation and other people are still out there that are rebelling against God. Mm. And at some point he destroys all them. Okay. So that's a little part of my background to help me understand yeah, how this fits. Yeah, why we still got battles and yeah. fighting in this time frame. Yeah. Now that's that's not everybody's understanding of the future. Yeah. They some people don't believe there's a millennium, mm -hmm. but my understanding of this passage suggests that that's the time where this is talking about. And then once again, the prophet probably sees millennium as this time when God mm -hmm. is ruling, but then also the time behind it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so it makes sense that he sees them both too. Yeah. Okay. Do you know uh, how, off the top of your head, where maybe um, how people of other perspectives would interpret a verse like this? Well, I assume they just see it as as more like figurative, or you mm. know, the idea of of there being no more war would would be God's God's people being over all the other nations. So it's almost like a, a picture of them taking over all the the lands. I yeah, assume. that's why there'd be no more war. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. they're they've already taken them over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's I, interesting. I, yeah. That's an interesting detail though. Yeah. I think I mean, so. Because we do have very clear piece. I think somehow this. we have to, yeah. Somehow yeah. we have to fit it into how we understand scripture. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Verse 15. And the Lord will utterly destroy the tongue of, of the sea of Egypt and will wave his hand over the river with the scorching wind. The, the tongue of the Sea of Egypt, I understand that to be like the Persian Gulf, because if you see it from the air, it looks it extends into that hmm. area. So if God wipes out that water or makes it so that they can pass through, now the remnant can come back to, to Israel real oh, easily. And okay. I think that's what this is getting at, is yeah. now that the tongue of the Sea of Egypt and the river, he'll, the river either could be the Nile or it could be probably more likely the Euphrates. Hmm. So if that's true, then you've got, God's remnant coming back from everywhere yeah. and they have no hindrances because the yeah. water's not going to yeah. be a, be an impediment for yeah. them. Yeah. 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 Okay. He will strike it into seven streams and make men walk over dry shod. Yeah. And there will be a highway from Assyria for the remnant of his people who will be left just as there was for Israel in the day that they came out of the land of Egypt. So it's interesting. Notice it doesn't say Babylon. Yeah. So it seems like to me that this is early has got to be before that happens. So it makes a lot, in my mind, makes a lot of sense that Isaiah has to be written before the Babylonian captivity. Hmm. And, and and even those who argue for a post-exilic kind of Isaiah, it seems like to me this rules that out because you've got a picture of them coming from Assyria, not Babylon, So which seems odd to me. So is Assyria functioning more metaphorically here? Uh, maybe they'd have to argue is that. Is that kind of what you're if uh, so, Egypt would also have to, but it, yeah. it seems like to me those are pretty specific right. countries. And I usually, my own mm. hermeneutic is I, I try the literal first. If that doesn't work, then I'll go to the figurative. Mm -hmm. But it would seem like to me the literal works just fine here. Yeah. Yeah. So if it's preceding the Babylonian captivity, the Assyrians were their major enemy. Yeah. And, and through most of Isaiah's time, that right. would have been the enemy they were worried about. Yeah. So so it makes sense that that would be the one he he picks on or yeah. talks about. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So, yeah. All right, we've almost made it. Yeah. Now we're into this last section. Uh -huh. Assyria will punish Israel. Mm -hmm. Assyria will then be punished. And then Assyria will be destroyed, but Israel will sprout back. 
and then the Messiah will lead him. So that's kind of summarizing that section. That's the first time you said Messiah, I think. Oh, all right. Yeah. But that would be, I mean, that's a big yeah. question in Isaiah. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. what exactly is messianic in here, you know? Yeah. And this would be one that. I don't know of many people who don't see these as yeah. at least 11. Even chapter nine, I think, is messianic. Yeah. Um, though not everybody does see them that way, but I, I do think nine and 11 are. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't see seven as being messianic, but. I see. I do see these two as. Yeah. 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 All right. Okay. That's a good overview of just the the woe oracle at least, right? All right. So we've now got through uplifted, four of them, Mm -hmm. uplifted hand oracles, woe oracle, and then now our song of Thanksgiving. And once remember, they're matching each of the parts before the Isaiah memoir. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And this is a short section. Yeah. Well, once we've talked about that part, this just like mirrors it on the other side and yeah. so it's easier to talk yeah. about though yeah. that woe oracle is a lot longer and yeah, than the first one yeah and, and it's six yeah, yeah yeah and this woe oracle has the, the real woe is on assyria yeah. uh, because israel turns out not only sprouting back but also having the messiah lead. Yeah. yeah yeah all right now in my mind this this song actually really is like praising god for everything he's done all this stuff that he has just done in this is is God's plan on how he's going to bring Israel back. Mm-hmm. And you saw it at the end of, of that war oracle, how he's going to do is going to bring this Messiah to deliver them and then actually rule over them. So now the author can praise God. And in this uh, chapter 12 is very similar to, has phrases very similar to other Thanksgiving Psalms. Mm. Yeah. So it makes a lot of sense. Uh, then you will say in that day, now what day are we talking about? Well, the same one we just previously read about. Exactly. Yeah. So that one that where God is restoring them, right? Yeah. Okay. I will I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger is turned away and you comfort me. Mm. That's the only thing in this psalm that gives any hint that there was a punishment or yeah. something like that that led to this. Yeah. Okay. So that gives us a little hint. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Doesn't that song like or sound like a psalm? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Almost every one of those phrases are picked out of the psalms. Yeah. <laughs> Therefore, you will jo- joyously draw water from the springs of salvation. I really like that. Springs are, are constant water hmm. moving up. Fresh. And, yeah. yeah. And it's saying springs of salvation. So that means a constant supply yeah, of salvation from God. A continual, yeah. yeah. All right. And in that day, you will say, give thanks to the Lord, call in his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. Let them remember all his name is exalted. Now, now notice it says, in that day, you will say, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, and let his deeds be made known among all the people. The idea is, now that God has delivered you, now tell all the nations about it and, and yeah. they can see it. Yeah. And so I think I think that's kind of neat because here here at the at the climax of this thing where they're praising God and telling yeah. how great this God is, they're saying, Go look, watch, look what he's done yeah. for his nation. Yeah. Okay. Well, and in uh eleven nine, we know the earth will be full of the knowledge yeah. of the Lord. Yeah. You know, as the waters cover the sea. So you're getting back to that water metaphor again, but yeah, you know, it does, it ex- expands, you yeah. know. Yeah, this is great. All right. 
Make known his deeds among the peoples. Make them remember his name is exalted. Praise the Lord in song, for he has done excellent things. Let this be known throughout the earth. Cry aloud and shout for joy, O inhabitants of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Hmm. See, at that point, they, they ought to be able to say, go look. Look what he's done. Yeah. You can see how great this God is. Yeah. So we could have stopped the book right here, couldn't we? Because mm. <laughs> it's like it's like a crescendo saying, yeah. look what God has done. Yeah, the peace has arrived. Yeah. Yeah. So as I just thought, that's that's kind of how this section ends. Yeah. And, and now remember what we've done. We've I've, I've told you that there's basically three times that you go through the book and it tells about God's plan. Each yeah. one of them gets more detailed and more detailed. Yeah. Well, we're at the end now, and after we've seen what God can do, now we now they think, sing this song of God, a praise to God. Yeah. So it's kind of amazing. Yeah. In my mind, yeah. and, and and you know you're kind of at a conclusion because then the next thing starts a whole new section. Yeah. And and even has a new introduction. Yeah. Which right, we'll right. look at. Right. So. And this is a big section where yeah, the we're next one coming. Yeah. What is it? To 30, 13 to thirty nine. Yeah, that that's correct? how I, that's how I see it. Yeah, that's a big and chunk. I'll tr- and I'll try to show how once again there's a, I think a palistrophe that shows how the thing fits together. Yeah, and I, I try not to find these palistrophes all over, <laughs> and yet and yet this one in my mind was really clear, and I think the next one is actually going to be quite clear too. So mm. so so the author's got to be somehow directing us to catch these i think yeah so yeah. at least i think so <laughs> okay so for something that large yeah how do we prepare for that reading wise do we need to try to read all the way through 13 through 39 you know i think i, I probably that's a lot so i would probably say let's just start reading some of the oracles to the nations so okay. why don't we read that section so that's 13 through 23 so okay. if you could if you could get that section read, because basically we're going to be able to move through that fairly quickly. Uh, there's just some things that I need to point out um, that highlight. Okay. But but that section basically is judgments on the nations. And so why would you even have oracles to the nations in in a book like Isaiah? And and that's kind of funny because a lot of prophets have it uh, mm. oracles to the nations and and why you know god's more interested in israel why has he got all these other nations that he's also going to judge yeah. or thing yeah. and i think the answer is because it's letting us know god's the god of the whole world not yeah, yeah. just israel yeah i mean there's some concern we've seen in chapter 12 for sure for sure you know the nations at least knowing what yeah god has done yeah and um, you saw that in 11 where that yeah. Water covers, yeah. like the water covers. So there's the something there. But yeah, that, I think that'll be interesting to start getting into. And, and yeah. these oracles against the nations are organized by nation, essentially, right? They'll yeah, yeah. Be like, I mean, the first one, I think, is Babylon. Babylon, yeah. yeah. And that's one of the longer ones, too. Mm. And then some of the others are shorter, but it is a message to these nations. Now, it yeah. is interesting, would these nations ever hear you know, right. this, this oracle? And, it, yeah. and it, it probably doesn't matter because in, mm. in their mind, Israel needs to know also that he's God over everything and he's got a, mm. in fact, a lot of these nations have, have harmed Israel. And so they're being punished for harming Israel, some of them. Okay. Yeah. Like, you know, Babylon is going to be one of the of major course. ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Okay. So for next week, we're going to go 13 to 23, Isaiah 13 to 23. 
the yeah. oracles against the nations or to the nations to the nations but, but against, be yeah. against actually is pretty accurate too <laughs> <laughs> and uh and probably we'll talk a little bit more about what the overall palace drift maybe we'll yeah. kind of see a little bit yeah we got to see that yeah okay that's uh, good and the question is is how does it fit together and that's where mm. that palace drove comes in i think okay yeah. that's perfect okay because it's got a lot of things in it and you wonder how did this all you know is he just jumping around from idea to idea and i don't think it's quite that that random or something right. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think it's i think there's a clear path and and i'll try to show you that next time okay i have one thing you may want to help people think about okay because you got a little bit into dispensationalism oh yeah in a sense right yeah what for people who may be interested in thinking about that you know yeah. or you know different perspectives on how yeah how things are going to go eschatology you know what are some what are some good resources do you have any off the top of your head maybe that would be good uh, intros for people who are starting to think about that oh man um there there's there's a book called four views of the future or something like that okay that, that zondervan put out yeah. that might be helpful or four views of the millennium that, mm. that might be another uh, yeah. idea because because the millennium not just dispensational people hold it but a good branch of of the evangelical church does mm. not hold it. That sure, yeah, yeah. And yet yeah. when you look at chapter 20, it seems pretty clear, or of Revelation, it seems pretty clear that there is a thousand year reign. And so mm. that's where this idea comes from, that it's uh, it, it talks about a thousand year reign and then afterwards Satan's gonna be released mm. and stuff like that. So th that's in the book of Revelation. And, and, and I understand that book of Revelation can sometimes be figurative. And, and so the question mm. is, okay, is it a literal thousand yeah, yeah. years or is it just- A representative of yeah. something, yeah. Um, my my hermeneutic is you start with a literal, if that doesn't make sense, you go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And so it seems like to me that a thousand years is pretty clear. Now, that doesn't mean it has to be exactly a thousand years, yeah, yeah. but it has to be a, a figure that a thousand years makes sense about it. Yeah. And so I think, I actually think there is a rain and it, and it a reign of Christ that during that time. And there is some logic to why there would be one. In, in a thousand years, there's going to be people that have grown up that have never uh, really had any chance to rebel against God. So at mm. the end, he gives them a chance to rebel. And it does make some sense in okay. my mind. Yeah. Okay. So the four views, that, that's a series, I yeah, think, yeah. right? There's uh -huh. a whole series of four views on yeah. all kinds of topics yeah. but that may be a good place to kind of start yeah, digging in this is a i know that's a really dense oh. subject there's a lot that's been written yeah. on it and that can probably be overwhelming but that yeah. that, that probably is a good place Th to there's start there's a, a guy named lad that wrote a book on i can't remember the exact name but it's got something about the coming kingdom or something like mm. that that i think that is another path, a book that would actually explain pretty well how he understands the millennium and stuff like mm. that so okay. that might be george eldon lad i believe his name is and and I think that's a good book to maybe yeah. explain that. Okay. So. Well, this it's a very interesting topic. So yeah, we welcome. have plenty to read for next week. Again, Isaiah 13 through 23. Yeah. That's wonderful. Well, make sure you do your homework, everyone, uh, all of our listeners. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll catch up with you next time as we study Isaiah.